for me has never been about making lots and lots of money. But when I, when I got married and we hit some financial hard times because of the loss of our business, because of my political views, um, there was, I have never worked so hard in my life. My why became so huge because it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me just like paying some bills. It was like, I got to take care of this woman. And it's not like she, like she, she's working. She's like making some money, but I'm like, I got to do something huge for her. I got to do something for our family that's bigger than me. Cool. Welcome to Contentious Talks, a weekly podcast where we talk Wait, to... Wait, Contentious Talks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Contentious Talks. I didn't tell you anything mm-hmm. about this, did I? You're just like, yeah, I'll do your podcast. I'm like, sure, whatever, man. Let's chat. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Contentious Talks, a weekly podcast where we talk to influencers, celebrities, politicians, and everyday people to show that we all have unique opinions, and that's a great thing. I'm your host, Ryan Malinowski, and today we're talking to Blaze Foray. How you doing today, Blaze? I'm doing good. I'm in a contentious mood, so... It's cool, going to be a good time. Um, well, I think I'm an everyday American, so I think I'll fit into that that category, <laughs> everyday person. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, where are you from? Where you live? What you do? Yeah, I man. Everything. All right. So um, we live in Greer, South Carolina. This is what you're looking at right here. I don't know if when we take this left, if the cameras will be able to see these mountain views behind us, but they're absolutely beautiful. Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, I'm from Texas originally. I'm from uh, Dallas, Texas, Frisco, and uh, graduated in high school in 2001 and ended up moving out to East Texas. About seven years spent time there, and I um, went to Liberty University online, moved up to Kansas City, and uh, went to the International House of Prayer and, and uh, worked there for about four years at a ministry up in Kansas City. And um, about four and a half years in, launched out, kind of started my own ministry for just a couple of years, wrote a book, did a little book tour, speaking tour, traveled around small churches all over the U.S. for a little while. And then I met my wife on eHarmony and uh, got married. That was, I was 31 years old and just kind of slowed things down at that point, trying to figure out, all right, how do I want to, um, you know, provide for a family and uh, the only way I could really make any money at that time was literally had to be on the road nonstop. So, um, just kind of rethought things, got into, got into sales for a little while, uh, car sales. Then, uh, that led to insurance sales and then I built an insurance agency and that's what I do full time now. So, uh, we moved out here from at the time we were living in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, moved out here once we got pregnant and now we got two little babies at home, got a three-year-old and a two-month-old and just living, working, enjoying life, man. So cool. Awesome. So you've written a book. Yes. Talk about the book. Couple couple books, um, actually. So the book I wrote in 2013 is called It Is Finished, uh, Why You Can Quit Religion and Trust in Jesus. And, um, and it's crazy. Time flies, right? It's to the, I say 2013 and it's 2020. That was seven right. years ago. Right. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're a writer or a speaker, pretty much everything you do. Well, for me, man, every I, I've just always been the type of person that enjoyed documenting okay. my experience. And I, of course, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. It was just kind of like um, I have a smartphone. You know, you're talking 2009, it was like, you know, a Sprint, like not even like an iPhone yet or anything, just like a camera that literally you can't even tell what's going on. But I I started documenting things online um, probably in 2008, 2009. And it's just kind of a part of, you know, who I am and how I, I mean, it's probably me being a preacher and having that feeling, that calling to impact. And, um, so I just started documenting and sharing my thoughts online, uh, via video or writing. And, uh, so I say all that to say, it's interesting when you're that type of person, whether it's, you know, in spirituality or theology or politically or anything at all, 
um, you look back a decade ago and you're like, how much of this do I agree with? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. You're like, how much of this would I actually, um, agree with and how, and, and I'll be honest, man, it's, it's crazy because, um, I look back at that book and gosh, like, yeah, I probably, I don't know, 50% maybe, mm-hmm. but, but I, but I don't regret when I look back at my journey, theological journey, political journey, everything, I'm just so thankful that I documented because it actually, some people would say, I actually had a, an interesting short online conversation with somebody um, that was actually from the Honor, Honor Academy, a friend of Jimmy's actually, okay. um, but uh, who, who leans very strongly in, the, in a different opinion than I do politically. And I remember I posted something about, hey, you know, like, regardless of where you're at, you know, you just realize you're going to probably evolve a little bit. You're probably going to change and, and that's okay. And, um, this guy said, he was like, well, don't, aren't you, aren't you like embarrassed of the change or like, how do you deal with like changing and then having a different opinion out there from a few years ago? And I was like, honestly, it's, it's actually helpful because for me, what it shows me, and I don't, it's not necessarily that it has to show other people, but just for my own heart, it's nice to know that I can say to myself that I'm open-minded to an opinion that's outside of my current thinking structure. Sure. And I can look and say, okay, I've bent on this issue. I've bent a little bit on this issue. Sure. Because if you never bend, and, and, and here's the thing, I believe in absolute truth. I believe, and that's actually, that's probably a huge topic, but, uh, but as far as in our generation over the last, you know, three, four decades, it's been like the idea of there being an absolute truth is one of the most fought against things. And in higher education, it's kind of taught to really not believe there is one. So I'm not saying that there's not a truth on pretty much every subject. There's a truth. But what I am saying is that sometimes you don't get it. And sometimes it's found through conversations and changing of minds. Right. And, um, and you know, so anyway, it's nice to be able to look back and go, okay, you know, I'm, I'm willing to change. And for me personally, you know, at my core belief, um, you know, I, I want to know that it, for me, it's, it's all connected spiritually that if, if at the end of the day, you know, when I, when I'm in eternity, it's not that I wanted to get everything right. Or I think that we need to get everything right. I just want to know that if I'm confronted with truth in any form that I'm willing to change my mind based on that. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So that goes back to your question, the book, how much, I I don't know, man. I've, I've thought many times actually over the last couple years, I'm like, man, I need to go back and read my book and, uh, see what I think about some of that. And there's some things that I'll come across on Facebook memories. I'm like, I don't agree with that at all. (laughs) Like, that's just crazy. (laughs) But, uh, and then some of it, I'm like, Hey, that's actually a good point. I wouldn't say it the same way right now. Right. But, uh, I really appreciate that point. And, um, so so. do do you think that where you've changed is more, uh, you know, core beliefs, primary beliefs, you know, or more things that maybe you just didn't have as complete of a picture as you do now. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think, have you changed drastically since you wrote the book? Yeah. Great question. Um, gosh, this would go into like, you know, prop. So, I mean, my background is I, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, you know, my dad actually grew up Catholic. What didn't, wasn't, just nominal Catholic, it, you know, is where my, kind of how my dad grew up, but he, uh, had a pretty like radical spiritual experience, just walking home from school on a dark road one night where like literally felt like just met Jesus, you know, obviously it wasn't like an, a, a vision or something, but it was like just on his own walking home in the middle of the dark, you know, back in the sixties or whatever. And just, um, had a pretty, dramatic encounter with God that changed his life. And, um, you know, for me growing up in a household where, um, church was a consistent thing and like that can be a great thing. And then it can also be where, you know, 
you can think that you have what somebody else has just because you're around that, if that makes sense, sure. um, be it a relationship with God or anything. And uh, so sometimes for kids that grow up like as pastor's kids, um, there's a certain pressure to be a certain way, but sometimes there's also a strong uh, aversion to following in the same footsteps as well. And so I think there was always this kind of, I don't know, I feel like I had a depth as a kid, like sometimes I feel like I would hear from God when I was just like five, six, seven years old, you know, like, um, so that was always kind of with me. I always sensed that God was real and that he was with me. And I just remember being in high school and feeling strongly like, um, and you know, I don't know how, how many of your listeners are going to be understand kind of Christian language. So I'll probably half and half, but um, I'm just going to give the Christian language on it and they can go Google it. (laughs) But, um, but for me, it was like, I felt the call of God on my life so strong at like 12, 13 years old. And at the same time I was, you know, I was in, I was started playing the drums at that time and skateboarded and hung out with a lot of like, um, punk rock kids and like we played in bands and I was always playing with these kids that were older so I was at all these high school parties when I was in middle school and um and so it was like I saw the opportunity to be cool as a kid and I was like okay and I at the exact same time I started feeling like God was saying hey I've got a really strong call on your life dude I want to walk with you I want to use you and and um I just I remember always saying like just wait till I get out of high school literally those were words I would say to Jesus just get me till out of high school because I want to like do some of this whatever this cool stuff is that you do in high school you know what I mean going through that season of life and then I I was at 16 years old it just you know I, I started partying a lot with some friends and and I just remember like doing that and being like this isn't actually like that great and like what am I doing well you know it wasn't I mean it's whatever, like it, it, you're, you're 15, 16, like sitting out in the middle of the field with friends, like just blackout drunk. You're like, you know, cops pulling up, giving you a ticket, you know, it's right. not really that great, you right. know. Um, There's very few fun parts about that. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, anyway, so at, at 15, 16, it was very strong, just like the call of God. And I, you know, I remember just being in my room and I was like, all right. Jesus, like, whatever you want to do with my life, I just give you my life right now. Like, just take it, do what you want to do in my life. And I had kind of done that before. Like, one time I read through the whole book of Revelation when I was, like, 14 and freaked out and was like, all right, just, like, don't send me to hell, <laughs> you know? But that doesn't really work. It didn't, That that's not the kind of, you know, I mean, maybe for some people it does, but um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like fear-based religion versus, like, you know, anybody that you're friends with because you're only afraid of what they're going to do to you, it's not, friendship's not going to work out for very long. For sure. Um, so, you know, that never really worked for me, but it was, it was like this kindness that I sensed, this drawing that finally got me. And I was like, all right, Lord, just whatever you want to do in my life. And it was like that day on something shifted. And I don't know if it was like, you can call it divine providence of God doing something in me mixed with true surrender however it works it was like something shifted something changed and um from that point on I I just didn't feel the necessity to you know please all those friends that I'd had before or be something for everybody or like try to be the most popular which was interesting because I um actually became very popular at school but it was for actually like preaching and for Know, openly talking about my faith at that time. So anyway, um, that said, that's kind of the core of me. So over the years, you know, your initial question was what's changed? You know, what, uh, is it your core beliefs? Is it your, um, I would say that's the core of me. And, uh, over the years going through professional ministry, you know, and, and, theology and all the different, I mean, there's hundreds of, there's thousands of views of lots of things. And yeah, you want to talk end times, you want to talk atonement, you want to talk 
like spiritual gifts, like all kinds of these things you can just like get an entanglements over. And, um, so, and there's different movements in the church and different denominations, all this stuff. Um, I think what's happening right now in my life more than ever would be because in, in 2013 got really like I, I became very, very intense in like 2007 to 2012. And um, I think I at times would just be overly you're so zealous that you almost become religious in your own self like you can be doing something and somebody next to you can be doing the same thing and they can be not religious at all or not like bound up in like feeling the necessity to have to do this to please god while you can be doing the exact same things but from a different place of like well if i don't do this then i'm not you know i don't please god or if i don't um anyway i don't know if that makes sense but just like you can become overly religious thinking that it that you have to be a certain way and i think um in 2012 2013 i just realized like i think i've become a little bit too religious <laughs> if that's okay. i think that's what happened basically sure and um and then i also looked around at my friend group and i was like i haven't been friends with a non-christian in like 20 years yeah <laughs> like, i think that's what <laughs> that kind of happened too and i was just like which you know i mean it's whatever, like everybody in all their religious circles or non-religious circles. I mean, some non-Christian could be like, I've never been friends with a Christian in my life. And they might be like, well, it's because Christians are like this, but it's like, actually, that's just judgment on their part. You know what I mean? So everybody's got their things. Um, Yeah, we all have our perceived biases, right? Right, exactly. So I think for me at that time, I was just, I just wanted to, I was just like, man, if I'm missing something, God, I just don't, I don't, I don't want to be missing anything. And I just want to be open and maybe all of my, you know, end times studies, maybe all of my biblical studies. I know I know a lot of stuff, but man, maybe, maybe I'm missing things on certain things. So I actually kind of felt the need to set aside a lot of my knowledge at the time, a lot of my head knowledge and just kind of get back to the basics of the gospel and also just wanted, I don't know, man, I can't explain it, but I just I just kind of relaxed a little bit, which was, in a lot of ways, it was super helpful because I became less judgmental um, and a little bit more open-minded. And uh, anyway, if people want to go read my book, they can. It's called It Is Finished, Why You Can Quit Religion and Trust in Jesus. I go over a lot of those things in there. But in some of it, um, you know, I think I... So I actually tended... I never went fully this way, and but a lot of people accuse me of it, of going like full-on Christian universalist. Um, I never did that. I like, I just, back to my initial thing was like, and I just wanted to be like, I wanted to be open to it. And that's something, and, and I kind of, I, I like to push the limits, honestly. That's probably my personality. Sure. And over the years, as I look, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely like a, a thing about my personality. I, I like to push the limits. I like to challenge people. And, um, even to the detriment of friendships or relationships, like if in my head, if truth is going to bring an issue on a friendship, obviously I want to keep the friendships I can have as, as long as like, anyway, I, I, I just want to be able to challenge people's thinking, even if that means they're like, well, if you think that, then I'm not going to be your friend. It's like, well, if you think something, I'm not going to stop being your friend. Let's just talk through these things, you know? But, um, there was a lot of people that, you know, in 2013, when I started asking hard questions, just kind of like, um, you know, threw me under the bus. And then in some ways, my approach probably threw myself under the bus too, looking back. Um, cause there's ways to challenge people without, you know, being overtly, uh, contentious, (laughs) on purpose if that makes sense um not to use the word of your podcast but but (laughs) but but literally i think sometimes i would on it was almost like i was just like trying to shake things up or something and which is it's fine but it's like you can't you can't point the finger at somebody else for saying hey i'm gonna step aside from this friendship right now if you're gonna purposely 
sure. be like trying to always shake the boat or whatever. Yeah, I, um, I can definitely relate to that. I've been uh, probably not surprisingly accused in the past of being uh, contentious for contentious sake. Right. Um, cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, that that was that and I started uh, I wrote that book and got a lot of um, little small speaking invites you know it wasn't like huge things or anything but we did me and a couple of buddies we did some we did some tours and spoke around different places and and it was uh, it was kind of in a niche within a couple years it was uh, I was just like started questioning some of the conclusions I had come to that I had come to based on questioning other conclusions. <laughs> sure. um, and, and it wasn't, and I even really publicly expressed those questions. I just was like, you know, maybe some of this that I'm saying is true, but maybe some of it's not. And, uh, you know, I honestly, man, I came to a place where I was just like, I don't know. And my wife and I moved out to Asheville, North Carolina, um, actually super, super liberal city. Um, really cool place to visit, not necessarily the best place to live. Um, in my opinion, but we lived there for a couple of years. We made a ton of friends and this was actually where, you know, for me, the season of my life, which I'm very, very thankful for where every single friend around me was a non-Christian pretty much. Like we didn't have a church. We did, we actually had started an entrepreneur community so my wife is like a um, incredible artist and photographer. So she started an Instagram account. It grew to like twenty five thousand. We started having these. Uh, we had a, something called business and brews that we put together. Okay. We rent out a brewery. We get like a hundred, hundred twenty five people packing these breweries, and we'd get a small business owner to talk. And uh, we would just facilitate these things. And um, anyway, it was a really fun season. It was a super cool season. But. Um, but the majority of the people in our lives were non-Christians and, and honestly, man, it was like really healthy in a lot of ways. And it was very challenging and, um, you know, kind of like whenever you and I were first talking earlier, it's like, if you actually look in the Bible, you know, there's, there's two dichotomies and this is what happens a lot whenever people find a niche that they want to express from the Bible. Um, they find the, the scriptures that fit their ideas or their current circumstances and they push those truths like, see, this is what it is, right? Sure. And they, they don't take a look at the other side. So you look at like Jesus and you could have somebody that would say like, well, Jesus had his 12 disciples and he was only around believers. He had his 12 disciples. Those were like... Like, right. Well, actually, no. Jesus was. They accused him being a, of being a friend of sinners. A friend means that you're around those people that you, you don't just like say hi to them. Like you're a friend of sinners. Right. And so he had the type of people in his life and things going on in his life to where people actually accused him of being might as well have been like an unbeliever. Right. You know, like Jesus is a friend of sinners, and the religious community was nervous to hang around him because of that. So you have that side of the coin. And then on the other side of the coin, you also have, yeah, Jesus spent the majority of his time with the 12 that he was discipling, but then he spent even more the majority of his time with the three that were even closer. But then when you really break it down, he spent the majority of his time off in the hills in private prayer. So you've actually got three, like multiple different things there going on. And I think at times in my life, I probably um, would take a, take a niche and be like, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners, so I'm just going to go just be friends with sinners. And if everybody accuses me of that, that's fine. And um, on the same note, you know, if like just staying kind of on the lines of biblical Christianity or talking along, uh, you know, Christianity or whatever, um, there's all kinds of scriptures of like, don't forsake the fe- fellowshipping with believers, you know, don't, for- don't forsake gathering together or like, you know, whatever, um, iron sharpens iron, you know, or whatever. Um, so all these things. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know, God will take somebody that's a believer through these different seasons at times to stretch their thinking and you can't kind of get stuck in one rut. Um, you have to like stay open to 
so anyway, that all that said, man, 20, 2014, really 2015 to 2017 was that experience of literally looked around. All my friends were non-Christians. It was lots of healthy conversations. And, um, you know, honestly, for me, it was a lot of listening. And I did most of my life. I've done the talking thus what I'm doing right now, <laughs> but, uh, most of my life I've done the opinion sharing and done the talking and actually did a lot of listening during that time, listening to people's stories, listening to why, you know, why this gay friend, uh, didn't want to be a Christian anymore, you know, even though he grew up around youth group and why he's not a Christian and, you know, just listening and, um, and not saying to him what I agree and not agree with at the time. I'm not saying there's not a time for that because there is a time for speaking and saying things, but sometimes there's gotta be a time for listening and hearing. And sometimes people don't know, don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care anyway. Um, so it's not my quote, that's Abraham Lincoln actually. Um, as soon as you said that, I was like, I should put a cliche counter up on this. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm sure it's Dale Carnegie, probably. Maybe Les Brown. Who knows? It's one of those guys. Or Thomas Jefferson. Well, I mean, if it was Abraham Lincoln, then it was Donald J. Trump, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, it was Barack Obama. No. Um, but uh, it was Ronald Biden. No. Joe Biden. No. Donald Trump. No. Yeah, I can, uh, I can definitely relate to a lot of that. I think we've probably come to similar places from different starting points. Yeah. Um, cause I, I can guess based on ministries you've been a part of and whatnot, that theologically we would probably disagree on a handful of things. Probably. Yeah. Um, but that being said over the years, what I've realized as well is most of that stuff does not matter, um, in regards to like salvation. But I was like, way gung-ho Calvinist reformed like okay type of thing and I think part of what attracted to me that to that so much is I've always struggled to be in touch with my emotions and I feel like every other movement in Christianity is it's like, all about emotions if you're not 100% keyed into your emotions you're gonna feel out of place here right. you know like way out of place here like let's wave flags for four hours and just <laughs> let let us feel that right. and I'm like uh can't we just talk about these scriptures and what they mean like right um so i've come to more of a middle place not affecting like the core of what i believe you yeah know? yeah and that too from a christian perspective i think is something that most christians miss the mark on right. they'll be like i go to a baptist church or i go to a pentecostal church if you don't agree with this stuff then you probably aren't a christian we're not going to talk about that, but that's what we're going to probably think. We'll and treat that's you that what's implied, way. And we'll probably treat you that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we understand things through like a fog or a haze. Yeah. Right. And the first time we think about it, it's like, oh my gosh, why doesn't everybody believe this? Right. right. And then the second and third time we think about it, we're like, oh, I think I understand this better. And then it's not as important for a long time. Right. Right. And then you think about it some more down the road and you're like, holy this crap. This is super important. <laughs> it's super important, but I ostracized a All crap ton of yep. people yeah. by me coming to these beliefs. Yeah. You ever like, you know, you ever come back around to somebody that you highly disagreed with, you know, five years ago and you're like, huh. You're like, maybe you don't meet back up with them, but you just... Five years later, Facebook memory pops up and you're like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, yeah, he was actually right about that. Right. <laughs> or, yeah. or even better, this has happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you. It's like, man, why do we ever stop talking? I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I just know we disagreed on something. Yeah. And it clearly doesn't matter anymore. Oh dude. You know? Man, now that, that right there is going to take me on something because, so I mentioned the reconciliation I have with IHOP in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to make it like I was some big thing out there because I wasn't. But you know, I was on the leadership team for the Night Watch. Now, IHOP Kansas City, for those of you that don't know, it's a 24-hour-a-day prayer center where it just goes nonstop. And they have hundreds of staff to keep that going. It's actually a pretty incredible thing when you look at it. Just just uh, logistically, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, so anyway... I was there for many years and I was on their night team from 12 to six. And so my whole life was scheduled around that. And, uh, anyway, I, I was on their leadership team, had a good relationship with the top leader in the night watch. And, um, when things kind of broke off for me from there was because of the way that I got my theological revelation of what I, at the time I would have called like grace, um, which again, lead toward leaned for me 
ended up leaning more, it leaned toward Christian universalism. Like, and people can go read my book and kind of figure that out. Although I still do talk about hell in a very short couple sentences in that book to kind of give me the caveat out. <laughs> um, and because uh, the fact of the matter is, I never actually let go of that doctrine of eternal punishment. Like, even though I pushed so hard because of what I was sensing about the revelation that I was getting. But sometimes a true revelation doesn't negate something that might seem opposite. It's kind of like in uh, Romans 11, consider therefore the kindness and severity of God. You got to consider them both. Um, but anyway, back to the, when I left IHOP Kansas City, there were certain ways that I talked about things that I think just was, it was almost like biting the hand that feeds you. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you you were mentored, taken care of by this ministry for five years. You served here. And now you're just, like, I never was like, these people are so this. I was never like that because that's not my style anyway. But, um, but I think there was probably some sharpness in my tone that was, like, about their theology that at the end of the day is taking a person and kind of throwing them under the bus. And sometimes people need that, but when I look back, I don't think they did. And um, I think that there was probably 75% of my tone and time I spent after I left was not about that and was just fine. And maybe 25% of it was unnecessary. And um, I say those percentages because not that, you know, not that that's exact by any means. It could have been 90, 10, but it was definitely a small percentage, but it was enough to where, you know, if I shake your hand and hug you 20 times, but I slap you twice, you're going to remember that slap. Like, so, um, so anyway, and it took when in 2015, I decided to share my, my, my story about how I left there. And, um, and I, in the blog that I shared, it got like, it went viral. Um, at least for me, it was the most viral thing I'd ever written. And I mean, 25,000 shares or something like that, or maybe 50, I can't remember a lot of shares, a lot of reads. And, um, at the time, I mean, it was kind of exciting, but it was also like, you know, I hope this is helping people that might find themselves in a situation like this. But at the same time, there were certain things that I put in that blog. Like I put some people's names in it, not to bash them or trash them, but just to tell my story that a couple years later, kid you not man it just was like it was like the holy spirit spoke to me and you know it was like jesus was like hey man like and these aren't exact words but this is the the sense that i got it was like jesus like hey man you remember that blog it's okay that you shared your story i just wish you wouldn't have shared these people's names Kind of like if a good friend of yours came up to you and was like, and they're friends with you and they're really good friends with the person you're in a fight with. And they're like, hey man, like I get that y'all are in this thing, but like, can you like not publicly shame them? Yeah. Like, oh shit. So like, I can relate to that too. I'm, I don't know why. I I think it's because like, when I was a kid, I weighed 300 pounds in high school and I was like bullied and I wasn't yeah. athletic at all. And, yeah. you know, I just, I hate it when people talk about other people. Yeah. Like, there's no need for this. But then I got married. Right. Yeah. And my wife, I love her, but she grew up in a church and in a um, community that like, it was just no big deal to talk about what everybody was doing. Right. And that's fine for me, in my opinion, when it's in a positive light, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so-and-so won an award for something. Oh, that's great. Right. But when it's like, did you hear that so-and-so Church got gossip. pregnant, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, this is, this is gossip. So like, for me, I try really hard in my life when, and it's just with my wife. Cause like, I, I want to share with her with my day. Like, do you know what I heard today? And then I leave the names out of it. Yeah. She might sometimes ask, well, who, who's that? Who are you talking about? I'm like, I can't do that. And I can't do that in good faith. Wow. Because I feel like I'd be betraying that person. I don't want you, I don't want to affect your thoughts on that person. You know? Yeah. Um, and she's, she's really taking that to heart. She's a lot better than when I first met her. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'd even be like, is this like a negative thing? Like, I don't know where the story's going. She's yeah. like, yeah. I'm like, is it a negative thing about another person? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I, I really don't want to hear about it. Though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I love that, man. I and, love that. And again, she's not 
one of the best people in the world that I know, sure, right? Sure, But it was something about her upbringing and not even her upbringing. Like, I'm not pinning this on her parents or anything. I, just the culture the that she grew culture. up in. culture, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Um, and I didn't grow up probably in a very different culture. It's just none of my friends, I never allow my friends to do that. I'm like, yeah. I, that's not my, I, I tell people all the time, well, that's not my experience with that person. I'm sorry you had that experience. You know? Right. Right. Um, but that's not my experience with that person. If it becomes that experience, I'm going to confront them about that. Totally. You know, but that's between me and them, not you, me and them. Totally. Know? So, well, and it, you know, and it, it's crazy because I even had people at the time that told me, man, you were so nice in this blog. Why weren't you more like, why weren't you more like, you know, cause like, I'll be honest, man, it's just, it's not me to throw people under a bus right. or to, but at the, on the same note, it's not even me to like use a name, but I did because and, uh, there, there's this quote by, uh, I think it's Brene, Brene Brown. Um, I think it's her name. And she said, you know, if people wanted, wanted me to talk nicer about them. They should have treated me nicer. Okay. And I thought that was kind of funny and, um, kind of actually influenced my thoughts on that. Um, but at the end of the day, man, I'll just say that, uh, when, when I wrote it, I shared the specifics of what happened in meetings and in talks about theological talks and situations and, and nothing was that terrible, but all I'll say is this, it didn't paint the people in the best light. Um, even though I said some nice things about the people, the little things that I shared still didn't paint them in the best light. And I, and in a couple years later, I mean, I ended up taking down the blog within six months okay. um, just cause I was like, honestly, I was like, I mean, that's great. I hope, cause I had people sharing and being like, man, thank you for sharing this. It actually helped me a lot. But you know, at the end of the day, man, people's opinions don't matter. It's what you feel convicted about on the inside. That's literally all that matters. Like the whole world can love you and be like, wow, you're so amazing. But if you're not following that that inward voice of conviction in your heart about a circumstance or a situation, it doesn't matter what the whole world thinks about you. And uh, so for this specific thing, I just was like, you know, I actually am done with this blog. I hope it helped whoever it needed to help. I'm taking it down. So I did. And then, uh, you know, it was a couple of years later, it was in 2018 that I actually strongly sensed um, what I could only say was like, Jesus just talking to me about it. And um, very clearly just like, Hey, those are my brothers. Those are like, they're my, that, those are my friends. And, uh, and that was hurtful. And it was almost in the sense of kind of like, I don't know. It was like, I just knew I needed to reach out and not apologize for writing it, but apologize for putting their names in it publicly. Yeah. And so I did, I reached out to the people and, um, and man, it was just like, it was like, uh, received with just such kindness, you know, it was just so incredible just, um, how kind they were when I reached out and, uh, and just remade that connection. It's not like we're all best friends anymore or anything like that, but it just opened that door again. And, and what also happened in me, Ryan was like, it was like a door had opened in my heart of, it was like, Jesus wanted a, a, a closer friendship with me too, through that. And anytime you feel like a, a prompting to, especially relationally, you know, with a person, cause you know, how can you like the James says, how can you love God? You know, who you don't see, but hate your brother who you do see. And I mean, hate such an intense word. It's like, um, but, but if I was not, Anyway, these guys are like literally Christian brothers, you know, wherever we land theologically. And that was something I said in the emails. I was like, look, I don't want to hash all this stuff out like we hashed out five years ago or six years ago theologically. I just want to say this. I'm sorry I used your name. It wasn't necessary. And it probably caused you unneeded grief. And it probably hurt your feelings, too. You know, nobody wants to admit that their feelings are hurt. But, like, it probably hurt their feelings. It would hurt my feelings. Sure. Imagine if I, like, mentored somebody for, like, five years. Right. You know, not like it wasn't like close mentoring daily or something, but it was like he's my boss in a in a spiritual community and like worked with him pretty consistently and like never did anything to me, you know. And then maybe I make some missteps in how I handle their theological change or their job change or whatever. Maybe I say some things that you know, in a way I, I regretted. They were never mean, you know. At the end of the day, it was just like right. 
it was just leadership differences on maybe how you'd handle the situation. And that was what was cool too, is they were like, you know what? Like over the years, I realized I wish I would have done this differently and this differently and handled you guys differently in this way. Uh, you know, I apologize. I mean, I wasn't expecting that at all, you know, but, um, but I was just thinking, you know, now I'm, I'm turning 38 this year and, uh, these leaders were about 10 years older than me and I was in my late twenties and I'm just like, man, I imagine working with like a 28 year old that like <laughs> thinks they got the new revelation. I'm like, you know, uh, and then they write a blog and my name's in it. I'm like, <laughs> I literally have told my wife, I'm like, babe, whatever comes around to me. I'm just gonna have to take it, take it on the chin with grace because you reap what you sow, and by the grace of God, maybe He won't, you know, He'll wash away my my mistakes from the past. But uh, but I also realize just like people are people, and um, and so when I look at leadership, I look at leadership so differently through these experiences, and uh, you know, I I lead like 40 agents now. It's not in a spiritual community at all. It's in. Um, you know, I'm, it's in business. I'm, I'm lead an insurance agency of 40 agents nationwide. And when people do stuff or say stuff or like things happen, I'm just like, talk bad about me or whatever, you know, or leave on bad terms. Like, I'm just like, Hey, I get it. Like everybody goes through their stuff and, sure. um, you know, people had opinions about me when I left things and, and they, they thought I shouldn't or, um, you know, ever, we just all got to have mercy on each other, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, but yeah, man, that was actually a big, that was a big uh, moment for me doing that sending those emails. And it actually started opening up doors of other memories of not even people that had wronged me or we, it was just differences that are losing touch. And I just started reaching out to so many people. And in that experience, it was, it was so refreshing just on a personal level with people, but it was also spiritually awakening too, um, at a new level. And Sometimes you might hold things in your heart you don't even realize you're holding, and when you let it go, there's so much healing. Like, like God is probably, um, God is probably more. I don't know. These are these are these are just probably theological statements, but not like Bible verses. Um, but these are just like pastor Sunday morning pastors statements, you know, in the charismatic movement, like the Holy Spirit's a gentleman or things like that. Like, uh, where they say like the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, he won't barge in and do this. I, I think sometimes he does barge in on us and, you know, but I think sometimes he's like, Hey, so when you're ready to actually do this and make amends, your heart will open in a way and things that you're asking, like, you're asking me to like speak to you clearly in your life. You're asking me to walk with you as a friend and to, but I'm asking you to do something. I'm asking you to open a door of unforgiveness or to let go of something that maybe you're not letting go of. And if you'll do that, then you'll actually welcome me to do what you're asking me to do. But if you won't do that, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I love you. But like, your heart is not going to be in a place to even receive anything I want to talk to you about or do in your life because you're not even doing this little thing I'm nudging you to do. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, it does to me. So, yeah, I know. I'm sure everybody's <laughs> like, what? But, um, but anyway, um, for me, man, that just that simple thing, I mean, heck, even on a secular level for people, like it's just forgiveness, reconciliation. I mean, those are some of the most powerful things that you can do in life. And... Um, yeah, yeah, it, it was a big, uh, that was big steps for me. And that was January of 2019 that I sent all those emails and it actually had accelerated my life in, in different areas in, in many ways. Do you have something to say? Then consider being on the show. Go to contentioustalks.com slash guest and apply today. That's contentioustalks.com slash guest to apply. Now back to the show. Right on. Well, thanks for sharing all that with us, Blaze. Um, talking about your beliefs, where you're from, what you're, uh, what you're passionate about. I, I certainly appreciate it. The, uh, the next part is what I can only assume is everybody's favorite section. Uh, it's called the Tough 12. It's 12 questions. Everybody gets asked these questions. Uh, there's three different categories. The first is politics, the second is philosophy, and the last is personal and religious questions. Next question under politics actually do politics matter and why um politics 
do matter. It's really, I guess we should say government matters. Um, politics is just a big show a lot of times. It's a big clown show on both sides. Um, and honestly, even sometimes the libertarian thing, it's all, it's all just a big clown show sometimes. But uh, I do think government matters because it's the way you govern our society. So, yeah, it matters a lot. And I think we're all realizing that right now. And, um, you know, everybody feels like everybody's getting out and voting. Everybody's, no matter what you believe, they're like, holy crap, it actually matters what we do right now. Um, so it does matter because it's going to affect, if you ignore it, eventually your life already is right now, but your life will be affected by um, the people that are in power in a nation or in a local government. And honestly, I think probably what we need to pay more attention to is our local government. And I think more people just like people that are passionate, even like strong, like left side and right side, everybody just needs to get involved because that's where the ideas can come to the table and we can talk these things out. Um, The idea that we don't talk about religion and politics here. You know, uh, these are two off, off the table subjects. Like, I think that's actually hurt us more than it's helped us. And um, watching people openly talk about, you know, politics and government has actually helped our generation think through these things. And that's why some people, you know, are starting to. Um, that's why there's more voters. That's why all these things are happening because people are actually talking about it again. So I think, I think we should open up a little bit more, and everybody needs to be open, more open minded, and. Um, and just bring it to the table because it will affect you. And if it doesn't affect you now, it will affect your kids. Uh, you made it through politics, man. How about that? Sweet. How about that? Uh, next is philosophy. First question in philosophy. What is truth? Great question. So earlier I said, uh, yeah, I talked, I talked a lot about being open-minded um, today with you, Brian. Like or at least I mentioned it a lot. It's important to me to, that, that people are open-minded. And what that means to me, and I'm going to get into truth here, is that I do think that a, a love for truth is important, meaning, meaning like truth being the way things are actually not just necessarily how they are right now, but like, is there, like, is is the grass green? Yes, it's green. Some, something simple as that. Now we could get more into philosophy and talk about the meaning of words, and then that could become a problem, which honestly, that is part of the problem these days. It's just sure. like it's redefining words. Yep. But let's just land on like some simple things, like we all believe that words matter. So like, and, and we, mostly agree on things like the names of colors. So the grass is green, the sky is blue. Those are absolute truths. Um, and you can't make exceptions for, you know, somebody that's colorblind or something like that and be like, well, I guess cause your experience is different. We'll just like, we'll, uh, and I don't, I don't mean this in a rude way, but, but we'll make a, an exception for that disability and call it your truth as to not offend you based upon your experience. So I think that our generation is so jacked up because we make exceptions for people's problems or we make exceptions for people's exceptions based on their experiences when I believe there's issues that are right and wrong and there are truths that there are universal truths that are very real, but somebody has a slightly different experience based on their thoughts. So we go, well, I guess there's not a truth in that area. Um, so anyway, here, here's a very basic one that I know we're on philosophy, but it, we'll get into religion just cause that's where my head goes. But, um, here's a very basic one. It's like, let's just say even the idea of, heaven and hell, how one gets to one or the other. And let's say that right now we all say no one knows. Okay. No one actually knows. Let's say that's a view. No one actually knows. We got all these views about it, but no one actually knows if it's there. And if it is there, how one would actually get to either one. 
We just throw up our hands. No one knows. Somebody shows up on the scene, says they know. This is how. Guarantee you this is, this is it. And everybody goes... Some people go, okay, cool. I believe you. Some people go, that's whatever. That's just another opinion. Let's say that the end of all things happens. Well, if it doesn't happen, it happens at the very least for you. You stop breathing. We went to my 97-year-old grandmother's funeral yesterday, my, my wife's grandmother, and she lived an amazing life, 97 years, but she stopped breathing and she went somewhere and she knows. It doesn't matter what opinions we all have about what she knows, but I guarantee you, she knows. She knows. So absolute truth would be, in that instance, what is absolutely true about it. Not what we think about it, but where she is and how she got there, there is a truth about it. And it's there right now. It's there. We can all argue about it. We can all have our opinions about it. Some people are wrong. And that's a problem when like I was talking about earlier, wanting to be open-minded. Open-minded means you're discussing and you're willing to change your opinion based on um, new information, you know, and you're willing to change your mind about it. That's You've got to be willing to do that. But if the information doesn't line up, you don't have to just say, oh, like people always say, well, respect my opinion. I don't have to respect your opinion if it's stupid. And I don't mean I'm going to call... I'm not always going to call your opinion stupid, but you get what I'm saying. If it's if it's blatantly wrong, I don't have to respect your opinion, but I do have to love you. Like in my worldview, at least, I do have to love you and I do have to respect you. And um, But I don't have to respect something that I would deem as completely false. And that's where we've taught participation trophies that everybody is right, everybody wins, everything's okay. Therefore, no, even if you have a freaking psycho that comes in like and says, well, this is what I think we should all do. And so this is how it works. And this is why there's like, I know I'll probably offend a few people with this statement, but I love you all, it's okay. But like, this is why there's like a hundred genders now when really like, there's not a hundred genders. Obviously we can get into like, what is gender? What is sex? All these things. But even that discussion is a new discussion that's come into colleges based on gender theory, which is really not a thing like, but it's just anyway. So, but that right there is a, is a, is right there. It goes back to what I said earlier is the biggest thing that I believe is the problem in the nation. It's all attacking the end. It's attacking the person, which attacks the family, which attacks the actual like reproduction in a society, just on a very pragmatic level. And, um, I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem. So anyway, I got, I got kind of off on a tangent there, but truth is the way things not necessarily are in your experience, but the way they are actually. What do you believe about people's ability to change? That's number two. That's a great, oh man, that's a great question. I believe that everyone has the ability to change. I believe that, um, now this could get into, uh, actual health issues and things like that. And, um, that, that stuff's real. You know, I've got a brother-in-law he's got, uh, extreme down syndrome can't communicate. He's 30, 34 years old. Can't say a word, can't communicate, but I know that he hears and I know that he feels and I know that he experiences and, um, and I, I see that, you know, so my, my whole point in saying that is I get that there's some issues that, um, you can't necessarily peg, but I do believe that everybody has the ability to change in their hearts and in their minds. And, um, and if people will be willing, that's, that's really the deal. I think changing is a major humility check because if you change, you have to admit that you were wrong about something. And if you admit that you were wrong, then that's kind of a humble thing to do. And not everybody's willing to do that. And I don't mean saying the words, oh yeah, I was wrong. That's helpful. But I'm talking about actual change. If you are actually changing your actions, that matters more than saying that you were wrong about something. What matters more is that you actually changed your actions. So if somebody changes, then it shows that they were humble enough to uh, make a public admission through their actions that what they were doing before was wrong. So um, that's most people's problem with change is the willingness. 
And then, of course, there can be habits and patterns that you've developed that have entrenched in your mind, and um, that can make it harder to change, even if you have the want to, and that's where you should get some help. Um, sometimes it's a spiritual issue, and things can be in a snap of a fingers almost, like miraculous, but sometimes it takes long conversations with um, a therapist or a friend or a pastor or whatever. Like Sometimes it just takes practicing and working through things. But I do believe everybody, if they want to change, can change. Even some of the things that people feel like are unchangeable about themselves. I heard a story actually just recently. I won't get to the details of what it was, but this person that always felt this certain way about this certain thing that affected their life pretty dramatically um, decided one day, and this wasn't even like a spiritual conversion or anything, but this person just decided one day, I don't want to, I don't want that anymore. And when they made that decision, it was like whatever that thing was just left them and they, they just changed. And uh, obviously it's not always that easy. It, or maybe it is, I don't know, but um, it, it doesn't always seem that easy, but there definitely is a power in purpose you know, having a, a purposeful decision. Um, there's a strong power in that, that I think we underestimate and we try to go get fixed by somebody else or by a medication. Um, not saying that's not ever needed, but I'm just saying that I think there's probably more to it in, in our own willpower. Next question here. What gives life its meaning? Hmm. Um, you know, uh, we could get very practical um, and just say like, you know, a couple things like relationships, if meaning was a, f if meaning was a feeling, you know, cause like if meaning was just a thing, then we all, then we all have meaning to life that we can't even define. But if meaning is a feeling of fulfillment, um, defining it like that, I'd say that, you know, it's when it's in relationships, um, and that's that can be friendships that can be romantic relationship like marriage family uh, i will say there's something so powerful about marriage and family that gives people when your life is not about you anymore but it's about somebody else there's so much power in giving there there's so much like joy in and being able to serve someone else and, and really to love someone as yourself and give your life for them. Um, not just dying for them, but dying daily for them by, by serving them and seeing joy in them. Um, I'm not talking about this as though I'm doing this every single day or something, but I try to, my wife's gonna be like, Oh yeah. All right. Can we listen to that a few times and just like <laughs> practice that? Um, but like, first firstly in like a relationship secondly like like kids you know like and i'm not saying these are the things that give you life as a wife and kids i'm saying in these situations this is how somebody can find deeper meaning um by just giving yourself to that life by like with kids it's like work becomes i mean i'll tell you what man i worked hard when i was a single guy but it was all for fun like i've never been like i gotta have so much money like in our industry, we have a shot to like make lots of money and I make decent money right now. I make good money, but it's like life for me has never been about making lots and lots of money. But when I, when I got married and we hit some financial hard times because of the loss of our business, because of my political views, um, there was, I have never worked so hard in my life. My why became so huge because it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me just like paying some bills. It was like, I got to take care of this woman. And it's not like she, like she, she's working. She's like making some money, but I'm like, I got to do something huge for her. I got to do something for our family that's bigger than me. And I want to have kids and I want, I don't want them to just be like, like, cause again, life is not about money, but it's like, if you can provide in an overly abundant way that because I guarantee you this, people that say life is not about money, they'll also be thinking about how they don't have any all the freaking time and how the next bill's coming up and how they owe this thing. And they'll be like, well, life's not all about money. I'm like, why are you only thinking about your bills? Because for you, life is all about money because you haven't actually like dealt with your money properly, possibly. Um, that's not everybody. Some people, you know, whatever. But, um, but anyway, um, back to the relationship thing, I think – 
relationship for me and family gave me such a huge incentive to like become the greatest man I could become and work very hard for um, an equal opportunity for my family and my kids. You know, my family did great. My parents did great, but it's not like I wasn't given anything. You know, it's not like they have like, you know, millions of dollars or something like they did just fine. They're doing great, but I wasn't given something. Um, so anyway, relationship, um, work can bring a lot of meaning when you find meaningful work. And I would encourage everybody on a practical level to find meaningful work. And you might say, well, I don't have a shot. I don't have an education. You don't have to like, you don't, you do have a shot. Your problem is that you don't believe you have a shot. So you'll never get one. You'll never recognize it when it comes. And when it comes, you won't believe that you're good enough for it because you don't believe you got a shot because you don't believe you deserve a shot. But like, I believe I got a shot when I didn't even have one. I believe like when I was, I was working at a coffee shop making like $8 an hour trying to like figure out the next step in life. But I treated that coffee shop like I owned it and people mistook me for the owner. And I was making like literally like $10,000 a year at that coffee shop. You know what I mean? And people mistook me for the owner because I decided I was going to treat the place like I owned it and it was going to matter everything I did there. And I believed that what, when I did that, I was paving a path for the business I would someday own. And when I had employees, I'd want them to treat my shop that way, my business that way, me that way, my customers that way. So I want to encourage everybody to like give yourself a shot by accepting the fact that you're good enough and you deserve it. Like it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. Like just make the change today. Decide that you're worth it. Decide that your family's worth it, that your wife and kids are worth it, that your husband and kids, that you just as an individual are worth um, more than struggling and being frustrated all the time. And like, it doesn't mean you got to make six figures even. Like you could be happy making 40 grand a year. If you're truly happy doing what you're doing, then do it with all your might and enjoy it. And um and then find a hobby that you enjoy too. If that's podcasting, if that's writing, if that's riding a skateboard, if that's find a hobby that you enjoy um, and keep your health because without health, it doesn't matter what you think life's worth. You can, all you can be able to do is sit there and think. <laughs> so the end. Well, that's it, Blaze. It's a podcast. That's all the questions. It's everything I've got for you. Uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, your willingness to have a conversation with me, man. Definitely. Uh, last sure. thing, where can uh, where can people find out more about you? What's the best way to either get in touch or learn more about you, that type of thing? Best way is um, my Facebook page. It's a public page, uh, not public figure, but I have a public figure page, but that page, I never use it. Um, but my personal Facebook page, Facebook page is public. You can click follow. Um, and you'll see, I, I post a lot on there. Um, my website blazeforay.com is, I probably put out a blog once a week or so, once every couple weeks, um, sometimes daily when I'm going to stay really busy, but you can go on there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, those are probably the best, best spots. Instagram, I'm on Instagram too. Um, but if people want to get in contact, you can just shoot me a DM on Facebook or you can go into my website and there's a contact page. You can just reach out to me through there too. So awesome. Yeah. Thanks please. Definitely. Next week on contentious talks. Anyway, I, I, I just want to be able to challenge people's thinking, even if that means they're like, well, if you think that, then I'm not going to be your friend. It's like, well, if you think something, I'm not going to stop being your friend let's just talk through these things, you know, sure. but, um, there was a lot of people that, you know, in 2013, when I started asking hard questions, just kind of like, um, you know, threw me under the bus. I started researching, you know, I probably won't go down this rabbit hole in this conversation, but, uh, I started researching 9-11. I started researching like the Iraq war. I started researching all these things that I just realized that like what we were told was probably not exactly and and I didn't have like the exact opinion of what I thought happened and all these things but I just started to realize that stories didn't line up and you'd have like a thousand page reports written just to kind of confuse people and basically take you back to the conclusion that the media that the news told you and I'm not just talking about CNN I'm talking Fox I'm talking all of them here's the story 
here's a couple different sides of it, but we're all got to believe it was happening this way. So um, those were things that I had really researched years before that I'd all need to make sure that we care about each other through this election season. Like some people absolutely hate Donald Trump. Some people absolutely hate uh, Hillary Clinton. Actually, we shouldn't hate either, but we just need to take an honest look at both sides and wherever people land, that should be okay. You know, things like that. Right. Like that, that's okay. Like that, right. that should be okay. And these people are like, oh my God, you hate gays. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't say anything about that. Or like, like if you go with this platform, then therefore da 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 da. And I was like, holy crap, this is literally the most religious movement I've ever seen in my life. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Contentious Talks. Did you like this episode? If so, consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. To get notified about new episodes, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to connect more, like Contentious Talks on Facebook. To support Contentious Talks and for more content, consider joining the Contentious Collective for as little as $1 a month. To do so, visit ContentiousTalks.com today. Contentious Talks is produced, hosted, filmed, and edited by Ryan Malinowski. Contentious Talks, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Thank you.